0: We're never gonna lay down, we ain't going nowhere You can come and give a try Our bond is on blood and thicker than water Like Goonies never say die Oh, cause Goonies never say oh Cause Goonies what never say oh What
1: is going on everybody? Die. Welcome back to episode 11 of the District 4 Wrestling Podcast from the William Sports Sun Gazette. I am Mitch Rupert, and I thank you once again for tuning us in here on the podcast. We've had a, a great response over the last few weeks, especially as we've gotten into the postseason. Uh, last week, Episode 10 was the second most listened to episode in the history of the District 4 Wrestling Podcast. The most listened to was the first episode of this year. So, Thanks to everybody who's taken the time uh, to, to, to listen in on, on iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you find us. Um, but we, we've got one of my favorite episodes of the year coming up for you this week. Uh, not only a ton of stuff to go over from last week's district tournaments and, and this week's regional tournaments, but a pair of fun interviews as well. Just a reminder, uh, as I say every week, if you have anything you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast or an interview with a wrestler that you would like to hear, uh, feel free to, to drop me an email at, mrupert at sungazette.com or shoot me a message on Twitter at Mitch underscore Rupert, R-U-P-E-R-T. Also, if you hear of any District 4 wrestler picking up their 100th career win, especially this week, if you're going to be up in the uh, AAA Northwest Regional, uh, please let me know so I can add them to the District's 100 wins database. Shikolimi's Noah subsick last week, he uh, he joined the 100 win ranks um, uh up at the District 4-9 tournament, so uh, congratulations to him. Also, we saw some history last week. Southern Columbia's Jarrett Lane, he tied Lucing's Matt Fisk for the District 4 wins record with his 175th career win, so he'll need just one this week at the Northeast Regional to surpass Matt Fisk and, and set a new standard. Also, Gavin Hoffman moved into fourth place all-time with his 169th career win. Nice. Crate uh, Netzel became just the 28th wrestler in district history to reach 150 career wins. So uh, got some big doings going on, you know, not just uh, not not just guys winning championships and, and things like that, you know, uh, uh, really setting some milestones here and making things happen. And, and it's exciting to see here as we go on. Uh, we got a couple interviews coming up for you this week um, that that I think are just fun. They're, they're, they're just fun. You know, uh, Wiggle 100 Shane Wilber, he's going to join us to go over the District 4 AA tournament. Uh, Shane and I have a, a, good, a good relationship. Uh, we've known each other for a few years now, and it's a relationship based on uh, making bets for beer um, for when we go down to the state tournament, uh, and generally it revolves the Eagles and the Cowboys. So, uh, you know, uh, you know it's, it's been a pretty good month uh, for Eagles fans. So uh, af- after 35 years of my life of not having good months as an Eagles fan, I'm, I'm going to enjoy this one and, and watch him wallow in self-pity. Uh, so that works out for me. Also, we're going to hear from uh, Sealens Grove head coach Seth Martin, who was kind enough to take some time uh, to, to talk about the team. I think it's really easy. We spend a lot of time talking about the AA wrestling in, in the district because we only have three AAA teams, and it's easy to kind of put those AAA teams on the back burner, but the Seals are coming off a second-place finish at the District Four Triple AAA tournament, and, and they have two of the premier freshmen in the district in Coy Bastion, and Nate Schoen. And, and Seth takes some time to sit, and with, sit with us and, and talk about his team leading into this week's Northwest Regional Tournament. But, but that's all coming up a little bit later. Uh, we've got so many places we could lead with to talk about last week's District 4 AA tournament. Sheldon Seymour was absolutely dominant at 106. We'll talk with Shane Wilbur about that. AJ Burkhart got what looked like a much needed win at 126 pounds, like the weight of the world came off his shoulders. When he got that 126-pound district title, Joe Clock had to forfeit his 132-pound final, uh, which I think raised some ry- eyebrows as, as the the news kind of started to to circulate uh, throughout the Magic Dome, and I'll talk about that one a little bit later. But nothing, nothing seemed to capture the discussion in the aftermath of the district tournament quite like Montoursville freshman Dylan Bennett. He he made an improbable run the 145 pound district four championship and and when i put a notice out on twitter uh i think it was sunday night of uh of anybody of anything they would like to hear me talk about on the podcast most of the results that i got uh were about dylan bennett you know let's let's talk about dylan let's hear from dylan um and because his run to the district title was so surprising um it, it it really was, and and I still struggle to find the words to to comprehend it, to describe it, and just exactly what happened. Uh, I went back looking for a district champion with with as much surprise, and and I struggled to find it because generally it's the top seeds that are coming out with district championships. In my my totally unofficial Twitter poll that I ran earlier this week, I used Bennett as one of the four choices for the District 4 Outstanding Wrestler Award, which hasn't been given out in 20-some years at the district tournament. But but I'm curious just to kind of see what people are thinking, where their heads are with that. And I get into that with Shane Wilbur a little bit later on. Uh, I also had uh, Sheldon Seymour uh, as a choice, A.J. Burkhart as a choice, and Connor Fulmer, who I thought put together a really, really good tournament at 285 pounds. And uh, I had those three guys along with Dylan Bennett on the list, Uh, and and Bennett was the runaway winner, uh, garnering 53% of the 225 votes that were cast. Now, as I said last week, uh, when I talked about the outstanding wrestler from the, the three combined sectional tournaments, that, that vote's a little biased because most of my follower base is around the Williamsport area, the Montoursville area, working down here in Williamsport. Um, but I, I think it captured pretty well, maybe the feelings of the people, um, Connor Fulmer was second. He had 22 percent of the votes, and that was despite his uh, uh, his 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 heavyweight coach Bo Spiller uh, telling me that uh, uh, he he was tough to not pick Sheldon Seymour. So uh, you know, so maybe an extra vote there for for Connor could have gotten him a higher percentage. And uh, I'm sure those two will duke it out in in the room this week, uh, just in good fun. Sheldon Seymour had 19 percent of the vote, and AJ Burkhart finished with six percent. Now, personally. My vote was for AJ Burkhart, you know, because I I was just super impressed with his all around performance at 126 pounds. He had the one point win in in a really fun finals match with Jeremy Hanford at 126. Uh, but I I can't fault anyone for voting for for Dylan Bennett or Connor Fulmer or or Sheldon Seymour as well. You know, I was just I was just impressed with what AJ Burkhart did. I, I thought. You know his win in the quarters over Brandon Dowdo was a a tech fall fifteen nothing. Um, Dowdo ended up finishing sixth, and I think that kid's pretty good. Uh, then he won in the semifinals in overtime over Avery Bassett of Midwest three to one, and and Avery's a freshman who who I really like. He's fun to watch. I, I think that kid's got a a huge future ahead of him. And then AJ went on to win in the final eleven to ten over Jeremy Hanford. So that's kind of where my head was. Um, but like I said, I can't hold anybody for voting for Dylan Bennett just because it was so surprising um, what he did. And 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 he was so businesslike with in the aftermath of it all. Um, now, it's it's important to note that, you know, while I sit here and say it was surprising, it was an improbable run. Dylan Bennett wasn't exactly an unknown coming into the tournament. He's had a very strong season. For the Warriors, a very good season. He was a key part of them going 17-1 and in the regular season and, and earning the number two seed at the District 4 Duels Tournament. But I believe there was a clear hierarchy at 145 pounds, which Benton's Colton Babcock uh, sat right atop that hierarchy. Here's a kid who was ranked fifth in the state, uh, returning state qualifier. Uh, he, he was atop that, that hierarchy. And then there was Coleman Good of Muncie, uh, who's ranked 13th in the state and had a couple wins this year um, over Dylan Bennett, uh, but I think both of them were by one point. And if we're being honest, Dylan Bennett was probably also behind Midwest Noah Ettinger, who was ranked 19th in the state as well. Dylan Bennett is nowhere to be found in the state rankings. Now, I'm recording this on, on Wednesday morning, uh, early afternoon, I guess it is, um, morning to me, <laughs> and the, the the new state rankings won't come out Till later this week, but he was not in the state rankings at the time of what he did at the District Four tournament, and it's not because I believe he was being overlooked. I think that's a realistic view on the type of season he's had. He's going to enter the regional tournament with a thirty and eleven record, and he's had a very good season—a thirty-win season from a freshman in a middle weight. That's impressive. That that's something to to take notice of, um, and, and I think. Montoursville coaches, Jamie and Matt Yonkin, uh, Paul Finical and and everybody else on that staff, they can be very excited moving forward about what the potential is for Dylan Bennett. But until he posted that first true upset of the tournament, when he beat the number two seed Noah in the, the quarterfinals on Friday night, I don't think there was ever a thought that he was going to win a district title. Even when he made the final, when he got the fall in the semis against Canton's Kent, Matt Kleckner, uh Saturday morning, I still think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone outside of Montoursville who would have picked Dylan to win in the final against Colton Babcock. That was something I talked about with Gavin Hoffman later in the night, and it was what I led my story with, because my story on on Saturday was pretty much about Dylan Bennett. And I led my story with my discussion with Gavin Hoffman, where he kind of hemmed and hawed and, and tried to choose his words very carefully, and then all of a sudden he said, I don't think anybody ever expected this to happen you know it 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 just wasn't something we we thought was possible and i think that's fair you know i really do and 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 it's and it's also fair to celebrate and be excited about dylan coming through that whole tournament and getting a district four championship if we're working off the transitive property of things which is a terrible measure of matchups and wrestling but it makes for good radio and good podcasting so that that's what i'm going to do here Bennett had a pair of one-point decisions to Coleman Good this season. And Coleman Good has been beaten three times by Colton Babcock this year, including twice by major decision. So it didn't seem like a matchup with Colton Babcock in in the final should have been all that close. But I thought Dylan Bennett wrestled just about as perfect a tournament as you could. He wrestled about as perfect a match as you could in the final. He got that sweep single for a takedown that he had to have you know, especially to get the first takedown and kind of set a tone. He got an escape late in the, the second period, I mean, with under 10 seconds to go to make it 3 nothing, and then he rode hard on top for the, the entire duration of the third period. Everybody's saying, you know, he's not the guy, you know, to, to, to win the district title. He didn't care. Dylan Bennett said, who cares? I'll wrestle my match and see what happens. And what ended up happening is he became the first sectional third-place finisher to win a district championship since Ed Clock won four matches by eight total points to win the 215-pound title for Line Mountain back in 2006. Now, Ed Clock went on the next year, I believe his senior year, to win a state medal for the Eagles. Dylan Bennett became the first District 4 champion since Milton's Lenny Yoakum in 1998 to have double-digit losses on his record when he won his district title. Yeah, I went back and found it. I went through 20-plus years of district brackets thanks to uh, PA Wrestling and uh, the District 4 Wrestling website, which has, um, I think, about 20 years' worth of brackets on their site. I was able to go back and find it. To me, the big picture is that just speaks to the depth of wrestling in District 4 right now as I went back looking through those 20-plus years of brackets, once you got to about 2006, 2005, it was very tough to find district champions that weren't either the number one or the number two seed. And speaking of the depth now, it kind of reminds me of when Garrett Hoffman beat Dakota Gear in the state semifinals the senior year. Uh, two years ago, I guess that would have been 2016. Hoffman at the time, he he was not nationally ranked. Dakota Gear was the number one guy in the country at 182 pounds at the time and was the defending state champion. And all the talk afterward on the message boards and things like that was about how deep Pennsylvania wrestling is, is that an, a nationally unranked guy could come in and beat the number one guy in the country. To a lesser degree, I think Dylan Bennett's win was kind of similar. He's an unranked guy on the state level who just beat the number five guy in the state three to nothing to win an improbable district champion. It speaks really to the depth of the district. And it and it's obvious in some places. If you look at the 160 bracket this week, if you look at the 132 bracket this week, 220, 106. Uh, 126 gets to be a lot of fun this week. It's obvious in those places, but look through the brackets where it's not that clear. The 170-pound bracket last week I thought was fun just because I feel like guys are pretty evenly matched. And I feel that's how a lot of the the brackets are. You're going to get fun tournaments in there just because guys are are kind of evenly matched. I pulled my interview with Dylan Bennett for you all to listen to, uh, and I should apologize for the shriek of the whistles and the buzzer in the background, but that's kind of what happens when you, when you do interviews in the gym. And, uh, you know, I prefaced the interview when I walked up to Dylan and I said, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you something right now, and I just want your immediate gut reaction to what I say to you. And and the only reason I I, I said this is because uh, I know Gavin Hoffman well enough that that I can joke with him about stuff like this. And I even said the same thing to Gavin uh, when we were talking about Dylan Bennett. But I walked up to Dylan, I said, I just want your initial gut reaction to what I say. And he goes, okay. And I said, you know, Gavin Hoffman didn't win a, a district title as a freshman. And it got, it got Dylan to smile a little bit. And uh, I, I think maybe the absurdity of it hit him a little bit. And he goes, man, my coaches just told me that. And you know, that, that's kind of weird to think of, you know, and uh, it, it it really is. When when you go back and look at it, you know, obviously Gavin lost uh, to Nick Stefani of Troy um, his freshman year at 170 pounds in the district, and I believe the regional final as well uh, before going on to place at states. But it, it kind of hits home as to, you know, the crapshoot that these tournaments can be depending on wh- where your, what your matchups are, how well you wrestle, and things like that. Um, but, but here's my interview with Dylan Bennett from Montoursville uh, after he won the 145-pound district title. Just just take a listen, and, you know, I, I love the, 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 the perspective and, and the big-picture look that Dylan Bennett has. So, so enjoy my interview with him.
0: It feels great uh, coming out here like this and performing the way I did, but in hindsight, none of this really matters if I don't come here next weekend to perform, get the, made the overall goal to going to to Hershey next weekend.
1: But this has to be a big step in that
0: process yeah uh, it's a big confidence booster coming out here and knocking off three tough kids and coming out on top it really boosts my confidence up a lot
1: did you wrestle and this maybe is an unfair question did you wrestle as perfect a tournament as you had to to win a district title
0: yeah i think so i mean there's certain areas i can still improve upon i think but i'm happy with what i did this weekend
1: did you really believe coming in here you could win one
0: yeah i did uh in the back of my mind, you got, always got to believe in yourself no matter what everybody else says, and that's what I did.
1: Did it help your cause that you had Coleman and Colton on the other side of the bracket?
0: Yeah, I think so. Those are they're two tough wrestlers, and being able to get a good draw for me and a, maybe avoid both of them uh, until the finals that was that was good for me. How'd you get a win in the finals? That's a tough kid, you just. Yeah, made. Uh, I knew I had to get the takedown, and that was huge there, and. Second period, I was kind of getting a little worried there. He's riding me tough, but I got out towards the end there, and that helped seal the match.
1: Tell me about the takedown a little bit, because I'll be honest. I was talking to Noah, and I missed it. How did you get it? How did you set it Uh,
0: up? It was just like a standard sweep single, and then I got to split the middle position, and he was hanging in tough there on a crotch lock, hanging on my ankles and stuff. I just kept fighting through it and working through the position, and eventually... To.
1: I know it's all instinct when you get into that, but is, does it ever flash through your mind? I gotta get this right now.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a sense of urgency when you get in on a, a good shot against that a good kid like that. You're not gonna get many of those, so when you do get one of them, you gotta be able to convert.
1: How important was it getting the the, the escape at the end of the second?
0: Uh, it was huge. I knew I didn't have enough. I, I knew I didn't have enough, about a lot of time left, and being able to kick out there towards the end and get my one instead of trying to fight for two, maybe that was big. Is that big
1: just to keep it, that, that spread where a, a takedown doesn't tie? Yeah,
0: because okay. if I go in 2-0 in the third period, he gets out and takedown, I'm in trouble there. So getting an extra cushion there, getting a three-point advantage, that's it's huge.
1: I used to joke with your brother that he never smiled. You've got to be at least a little excited about what you did today.
0: Yeah, I, I am, but I'm excited. But at the same time, I know i still got to work on stuff. and. I want to get the Hershey next weekend. I'm going to, be able to, ha- I'm going to have to wrestle even better than what I did this weekend.
1: Can you at least enjoy it tonight? Yeah, I, get back to work yeah tomorrow?
0: I will. And then tomorrow is back to watch my weight, getting in a workout and getting back at it.
1: We're going to explore a lot of the topics of the District 4 tournament. My interview with Shane Wilbur coming up. But I wanted to take a moment to talk about the 132-pound final from Saturday, mainly because it didn't happen. Uh, if you hadn't heard by now, Muncie's Joe Clock, He tore the meniscus in his left knee. Early last week in practice, as he described it to me, uh, whoever it was he was working out with, uh, tried to hit a funk roll, and uh, Joe's body just didn't turn w- with his legs as, as they were rolling through, and, and he fell to pop. And he said it was kind. Of, he said to me it was it was like that Jason Nolf moment when you saw uh, Jason Nolf get hurt against Rutgers, where something popped in his knee, and just this blank look of worry came over his face. He wrestled through it in the this week in the, the quarterfinals and the semifinals. He was dominant in the way he wrestled, and he did it with a big brace on his left knee, and he was nursing some ice on that knee for the better part of the day. But he was still impressive in how he wrestled. But when it came to the final, which should have been his third matchup of the year with Benton's Cole Roan, he decided to forfeit. And, and I think that was a decision that came more so from his coaches than necessarily from him. I totally understand the fans who were disappointed to hear the news and, and to not get to see that matchup, but it's easy to see why this was the right decision for Joe, and even for Joe, he was a guy who wanted to wrestle a match, and I, I talked to him before the finals, and he's like, oh, I absolutely could wrestle, and, you know, I, I, I don't feel it when I'm out there uh, unless I get into the wrong position, and I said, well, then don't get into the wrong position. He's like, well, I try, and, uh, you know, he wanted to wrestle, but 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 he saw the bigger picture to it, too. The reality is the district final uh, is, is a relatively meaningless match outside of winning a district title, especially for a guy like Joe Clock, who's, whose goals go so far beyond just the, the district tournament. It doesn't really do anything for seeding, especially if you look at the bracket as it breaks down, where he and Colrone are clearly... The top two guys at 132 pounds, not only in the district, not only in the region, but probably in the state as well. Like I said, Joe said he wanted to wrestle and he could wrestle. He said that's more about pride than anything else. But he understood the bigger picture after he talked about it with with head coach Denny Herr. And my guess is he'll go this week. Should he find himself in the final against Cole just because the seedings at states can make a difference? And the longer you can go at the state tournament without running into another regional champion, the better. So here's my bottom line on this. I just want to see guys compete at their healthiest, compete at their best. I want to see guys give their best shot to to trying to win regional championships and, and, and state championships, but I understand having to look at the big picture too. And if if that means sacrificing a district title, I get it. So here's hoping that not only Joe Clock. But everybody else competing in this week's regional tournaments around the states, uh, around the state are at the healthiest they can possibly be, wrestling at the best that they possibly can. Because that's what makes this sport so much fun is when guys are at their best competing and going after one another. Man, it doesn't get any better than that. My next guest on the District 4 Wrestling Podcast is so respected in the sport that he is given his own seat high above the average person at the Magic Dome in the crow's nest. Wiggle One Hundred Shane Wilbur joins us for the third time this year, our first three-time guest ever, to discuss the happenings of the District 4 AA tournament and to look ahead to uh, this week's regional tournament. Now, the first question, Shane, is does District 4 just respect you so much that they put you in your own perch, or are they just trying to keep you away from everyone?
2: I'd probably go with the latter.
1: Well, you yeah, know, you, I mean, you, they, have, you have to take the ladder to get up there. I,
2: I really do, but no, I mean, I I think it's just, you know, one of those ordeals where, you know, now we've seen, like, the the, the video streamers come in for districts and everything, and, you know, it's just been a traditional little spot. You know, they've got everything that uh, we need for convenience high above, and, you know, it's it's a great view. I mean, I I totally invite you to come up sometime.
1: My my big body does not go up ladders. Uh, I don't like heights to begin with, and that's just a, a recipe for disaster.
2: Well, you know, sometimes there's a lot of things you can fight, but I guess gravity isn't one.
1: <laughs> no, and, and, you know, because I'm a little bigger than everybody else, when I fall, it hurts more.
2: Well, then I guess we'll I, just uh, we'll keep our, our distance from each other and we'll just use, like, uh, texting to make sure we stay in communication at places. You know,
1: that's, that's my favorite part of, of the postseason tournament, Shane, is when you text me and say, you know what, Mitch, you were right, because that happens usually every week.
2: Well, I have to tell you, you know, I was a little <laughs> disappointed on Saturday. And, I, you know, I'm curious because I'm, I'm curious to see, like, what your viewpoint of the whole thing was. Um, so Saturday, you and I are both there. Obviously, I got there later. But, you know, we were both there for the finals. And I don't know, like, did did a part of you seem, feel like that gym was just a little quieter than usual?
1: I thought it, it, I really it, it felt a little disinterested. Like, it, it picked up a little bit. At a 126, because A.J. Burkhart and Jeremy Hanford had a really good match, but it, it just never felt like there was that explosion that, that we were just kind of waiting for. Like, everything was kind of building, and it, and it just never reached that that point where where everyone kind of exploded over a, a good call, a bad call, a good move, or, or anything like that. It, it was very tame, and I think that comes, Shane, from the fact that we started wrestling at 8.30 in the morning, and it was seven o'clock at night and I think everybody was wore out
2: that's a good theory i'll i'll accept that you were there for the full day I was not but yeah i was just i'm sitting there and I'm like this just does not seem like a, a district finals but at the same time i mean i i don't know i guess there uh, just didn't seem to be you know the the interest i guess as you would say you know like a, a lot of those a lot of those matches you know were were nail biters like there wasn't the flurries or anything either i think that we've come to expect.
1: No, but like it, the the tournament was so good. I mean, you you had the anticlimactic finish at 132 because Joe Clock had to forfeit, and and I think that's what everyone was kind of building for. And there was a little di- disappointment when it didn't happen. Um, but but you had Dylan Bennett's win at 145, which should have had that place rock. I mean, in a sport, especially at districts, we don't see a ton of major upsets and just um. You know, wins like that that, that aren't really expected. I, I would have thought people would have really gotten into that. I would have thought they got into to 160, but that match just wasn't as close um, as I thought it, it could be. I mean, the 70 match between Mapes and Kustenbauer was pretty good. But, you know, it just, I don't know, it, where we had good matchups, I don't know that the, the results uh, necessarily dictated, you know, a real exciting crowd.
2: Oh, exactly. We had we had the, the solid matchups that we expected. I just don't think we had we didn't have the sizzle to the steak that we're always used to.
1: And I, I wonder if that came more in the semifinals early in the day. And I, I know you weren't around in the morning for the semifinals because you were broadcasting basketball. But the, the semifinals at almost every weight was just phenomenal this year. And I and I wonder if that was where more of the excitement was.
2: Well, I guess uh, we'll have to keep that in mind as we uh, head to the regional tournament this weekend.
1: Yeah, well, before we get into regionals, let's talk about districts a little bit, uh, especially the district final. Um, You know, I talked in the beginning of the episode about who my outstanding wrestler was, who my pick for the EOW was, and I was between Athens' A.J. Burkhart and uh, Montoursville's Dylan Bennett. But when we were talking Monday night, Shane, you told me your head was in a different place. What were your thoughts on the tournament's O.W., and, and where would your pick have gone?
2: Well, you know, I thought about it for a little bit last night. I thought a little bit about it uh, even into today, and I thought, you know, I went back through the bracket, and I looked, and I was I was really impressed with Noah Stom from Milton. I really was. I mean, last year he was a state qualifier, and you just you see this kid just have uh, some insurmountable focus, but what was really impressive, he was – 34 and two on the scoreboard to his opponents. I mean, he was a Tech Fall winner in his uh, quarterfinal bout, in the semis he was a 12 nothing major winner, and then in the finals he defeated Matt Milbrand of Bloomsburg by a score of uh, seven to two. So I mean, when you see that type of dominance in a district tournament, it's just cool to see you know somebody else have that kind of a dominant uh, run at the district tournament.
1: Yeah, and as I said to you Monday night, as you were talking about that, as like if I could have had a selection of an, another four that I could have put on there on on the the uh, the poll on Twitter, uh, Noah Stom would have been in, in there. Uh, I think I said Hunter Paust would have been in there. Maybe Jarrett Lane. And I can't remember who the other one was. Oh, uh, Ed Mapes, um, the 182 winner, or excuse me, 170 winner. Um, and, and I felt like you had a lot of guys who just had that really good tournament I think there were only two or three guys that beat the second third and fourth place finisher one was Cole Roan, who got a forfeit so he didn't necessarily beat the second place finisher but there were a lot of different ways you could have gone with this discussion it's all about what your definition is of outstanding wrestler is that right
2: oh absolutely you know and when you when you look at Noah Stom you just say to yourself okay you know just a solid wrestler and, you know, a kid that, you know, feels like might fly under the radar. And and I've always been kind of like an underdog guy and I always look for kind of underdog stories. And, you know, to see him come back this year, wrestle as great as he did at the district tournament, you know, he just he looks like he's just focused and driven to get back to Hershey.
1: Yeah, I wrote a story about him that'll be in Wednesday's paper, um, about how I think I believe I think I called his his tournament very workmanlike, you know, where that he wasn't doing anything flashy. He was just doing the things to to get the job done and, and getting turns on top, being stingy in giving up points. It was just one of those solid performances that maybe doesn't jump out at you until the tournament's over and you look back at it.
2: Oh, exactly. And he put it together. You know that solid. Uh, you know quarterfinal and semifinal, and then you know he got to the finals. And I, you know looking at it, and I don't know how much of the match you saw, it just looked like Noah Stom was just such good control of that match. And I don't know if, you know, he just feels like he's just at another level or, you know, if he was just so, you know, just having one of those days where everything just goes right for you. But I'll tell you what, that district tournament, he definitely put his imprint on.
1: Now, one of the debates that that kind of popped up on Twitter is, uh, as I was asking people about, you know, the the four choices that I listed for Outstanding Wrestler, which uh, was Sheldon Seymour from Troy, AJ Burkhart, from Athens, uh, Connor Fulmer from Southern Columbia, and Dylan Bennett from Montoursville, somebody said to me, well, it's Gavin Hoffman. It's it's without, without a doubt Gavin Hoffman. So that, to me, goes into a debate of should it be the best kid at the tournament? I mean, should Jarrett Lane from Southern and Gavin Hoffman from Montoursville, should they be the one, two guys in every tournament for Outstanding Wrestler because they're so dominant and that's what we expect of them. Or is the true outstanding wrestler, the guy like Dylan Bennett, who you're not expecting to win, or the guy who beats the eventual second, third, and fourth place finisher? Where do you fall on that line?
2: Well, let me ask you this. Do you do you believe in holding athletes to standards?
1: Absolutely. I think, when we, I, I think when especially we, in wrestling you do.
2: When we look at Jarrett Lane and Gavin Hoffman, I don't think we hold them to the same standard on the district level. When we look at them, the human factor says, you know, they've been so dominant at the state level, that's where we put our grades to. So when we look at a Dylan Bennett or, you know, an A.J. Burkhart or a Noah Stom, you know, we kind of see them, you know, more to the the district level because they haven't been as prevalent on the state level as Lane and Hoffman. So to be able to kind of judge Lane and Hoffman at districts I just I feel like that's that's almost human nature because you know we're looking at them more towards you know the state tournament than we are here just in districts because they're just such oh, an arm and a leg above everybody else uh, at districts.
1: And this is, goes back to a conversation I had with uh, Nathaniel Brown, who was a state champ at Lewisburg and uh, national runner-up at Lehigh. Uh, he and I had this conversation a few years ago where if you're on that tier of wrestler. Your postseason really doesn't start until you get to the semifinals of the state tournament because that's probably the first place barring an upset in another region somewhere where you're going to see your, your your toughest competition to date. For a guy like Gavin Hoffman who's seen everybody run away from 195, including Anthony Walters, uh, the two-time state runner-up who went up to 220, I don't know that there is that guy. you know. So how do you judge – whether he's the outstanding wrestler of the tournament because he dominates everybody and, you know, tech falls a guy in a minute and 38. And how do you judge that versus the other guys? That's I guess that's where the big question is. I think,
2: you know, we're all guilty of kind of like that human nature where once we are used to just seeing people be dominant, we're just like, okay, you know, like we, we know that their legacy is cemented. I mean, Jarrett Lane and Gavin Hoffman, are gonna go down in District Four lore for years to come. I mean, Jarrett Lane's like well, right on the cusp now. I think his first win this weekend sets what the district or the District Four record for it all-time does. wins. Yes. And and Gavin Hoffman. I mean, well, what more can you write about him? You know, <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like the the NBA discussion. You know, I mean, how many times really could you have elected Jordan MVP? You know,
0: sure. I
2: mean, and just eventually, same you thing just with you get LeBron. Point where you. Exactly, you know, and eventually you just got to get to a point where, you know, who who else is there to impress you? And, and as far as like Lane and Hoffman go, they just they're outstanding wrestlers, yes, and they're great quality wrestlers, and they're forever going to be known. But I mean, I just don't think there's that much that they could have done to really impress us at the district level when our expectations are already there. You know that they're just they're going to be in the finals.
1: Yeah, and and maybe that's our own fault for for having those kind of expectations and and those thought processes. I mean, we all like to see, uh, especially in wrestling, you like to see the underdog. You like to see the guy pull the upset, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. So when when Dylan Bennett goes out as the first uh, sectional third-place finisher to win a district title since 2006, you know, that that kind of carries some weight, especially in a district that's, that's continually this good.
2: Oh, exactly. So, I mean, to – to sit there and say that you know they're not outstanding is just totally wrong, and that's not exactly where we're going with the whole conversation. It's just we we judge them, or I judge them more on on the state level. You know, I want to see them, you know, rack it up through states. I want to see them be dominant at states because that's what we're used to. I mean, the the district tournament, and I, I don't want to sound like this comes off wrong, but I mean, it's it's just basically you know they're just their heads and shoulders above everybody that we just expect them to be dominant.
1: It really is and, and and it's been tough for me uh, on, a, on a personal level to f- you try to find different things to write about uh, with a guy like Gavin Hoffman and, and I don't cover Jarrett. Uh, I've talked to him a couple times for uh, some different things. but you know, what can I write that's different this week about Gavin Hoffman from from last week? And you know what States is going to be about? States is going to be about history, his spot in history. Um, but but thankfully some things have popped up you know getting this the school wins record. Uh, ahead of his brother this week um last week we we talked about how the road to a state title is opened up for him because of everybody running away from 195 um but that that's kind of what you run into as a fan too you know it's like well what are you going to show me this week that i haven't seen already i agree yeah so let's let's get into the actual wrestling a, a little bit um one of the things uh, we, we talked about in our discussion about outstanding wrestlers was who had the most impressive run through the consolations as well. because I think that's something that we lose when we start talking about champions because obviously the you know the champions get the ink and things like that. Um, but there were, I think, four or five guys, my, my math might be off, who had to win four consecutive consolation bouts to come back and finish third. Noah Ettinger, uh, Timmy Ward, did it. Um, Nate Bradley at 160 did it uh, with, with a couple impressive wins over Jacob Carpenter and T- Tyler, uh, Tyler Stoltzfus. Dakota Snyder of Lewisburg did that, and Line Mountain's Jarrett Wren. Who was your pick? Who do you think had the best run through the consolation, Shane?
2: I gave Bradley the edge just because of those two bouts that you said. I went back through and looked at it as well, and you know, as much of a, of a Canton local as I am, I really did you know want to tip the scales with Timmy Ward, but to see that Bradley came back through, you know, he defeated Carpenter in the uh, consolation semifinals. And then, of course, he got his rematch with Stoltzfus uh, there at the end, you know, and then uh, defeated Tyler Stoltzfus 8-3 in that consolation final. I just I thought that was the scale tipper for me to give Bradley the edge on the uh, consolation uh, most impressive.
1: I don't disagree with you at all. I think those, those two wins over Jacob Carpenter, who's a state seventh-place finisher, and Tyler Stoltzfus who was a state qualifier last year and probably one of the top five guys in the state um I mean those are those are eye-opening wins that that starts to make me wonder with regardless of how the results played out makes me wonder if Nate Bradley isn't the second best wrestler at 160 pounds I
2: think that's still uh, yet to be determined I mean with uh with the regional bracket this week, you know, we're still not going to get an opportunity right. to see that given the fact that, you know, Edsel and Bradley would meet, uh, I believe what semi-finals did yep. uh, they both get uh, through their uh, quarterfinal matches. But I, it's just, it's a shame that we won't get a chance to see them uh, in in the finals. But, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're going to give us a great semifinal matchup, you know, and I know that a lot of people are sitting there and wondering, you know, is, is Creighton Edsel right for the pick? And I'm telling you, as much as we sit there and wonder, you know, is is this the week? You know, can somebody finally get him? Because honestly, he has not been, you know, doing the the, the real dominant wrestling that we've seen. I mean, Creighton Edgell, you know, through his sophomore junior year, it was Tech Falls like all the way through. I mean, he was just pointing people to death. And now it's more, you know, uh, I think his matches are a lot closer. But at the same time, you know, I, I think it's just more. He's just really, really good. At uh, putting things together and just kind of doing what he has to do in order to get through his matches,
1: you know, it was uh, surprising to me the way Tyler Stolzfish just wrenched on his shoulders uh, on on Saturday, uh, even though you know he wasn't able to score points in the top position. I thought he did a number on Creighton Edsel. I think it was a two nothing match that Edsel won, and uh, it it was it was impressive the way to see to see the way Stultz was kinda of rode him out and I'd like to see those two match up again because I think Creighton's gonna avoid maybe taking bottom uh because you, <laughs> part of you has to worry about you know what's gonna happen to you when a kid that strong just wrenches on your shoulders for that long. I
2: don't know and those are those are things to be seen and at the same time, you know, maybe you know Creighton needed that uh, small little uh, wake-up call. You know, maybe Absolutely. You, sometimes you know, maybe sometimes you just get to a point where okay, I I know how good I am, and sometimes you know somebody you're always taking the best shot of people. You know, when you're a state champ, and that's the problem Creighton has right now is he has to go through one of the toughest districts, face those face those same kids for two consecutive weeks, and then take that. Into the you know state tournament uh, coming up you know I mean we're obviously uh, kind of maybe assuming you know that he'll get there but I don't think it's a far reach to say something like that.
1: So what's your biggest takeaway, Shane, from that one sixty? Is it that despite all that, despite all the things we talked about, you know, a tough match with with Nate Bradley, a tough match uh, with Tyler Stolzfest, that Crate Netzel is still clearly the cream of the crop at 160 or is your biggest takeaway that maybe Nate Bradley is the second best wrestler at this weight?
2: Well, you know, uh, a famous personality once said to be the man, you got to beat the man. And so far Edsel has been the man and nobody's been able to beat him yet. So until, until we see it, I'm going to say he's still the cream of that crop.
1: I think kind of his performance is similar to, uh, I don't want to say epiphany, because it, it, it wasn't that big of a shock, I don't think. But it was the same thought process I had after the semifinals at 132, where uh, Colrone just dominated, I believe, Nate Higley, uh, it, or maybe it was Chris Horton uh, from Athens, and, uh, and Joe Clock dominated Devin Pitkevich from Shemokin. And I went, okay, this weight is still really, really good. But these two guys are at a different level, and and I, I kind of have that that same thought process with Creighton Etzel, where to me he is still clearly the best guy.
2: That, that's a pretty good uh, evaluation, given the fact that you know he he, he had his two one decision with Stoltzfuss in the semifinals, but then when he got to the finals, he he majored Gable Krebs. So I, I think we know that you know when when Creighton wants to turn it on, and when he's you know at that top gear we know that, you know, he can he can still bring, you know, that uh, state champion fire.
1: Uh, moving on, Shane, were you surprised at all by Sheldon Seymour? Not so much that he won, but how he won in such dominating fashion?
2: I was. I, I won't lie about that. And, you know, that I mean, makes two of us. I agree with you. I mean, Sheldon has shown, you know, for the last two years, you know, not only through his high school workouts, but, you know, also, you know, the wrestling he does outside of the high school season, that i mean he, he's definitely dedicated to the sport but i mean in in the ntl he doesn't see a lot of competition and, and i was more i was more curious to see how he would respond this weekend i i think he he won't admit it personally i mean he's a really quiet kid i think he was definitely looking forward to some retribution with jacob blair you know to try and get back and uh, and get that one avenged and then of course you know he ends up facing Strickland who beat Blair the week before and to beat Strickland the way he did. I think uh, you know Sheldon sent a clear message to District 4 uh, okay there's a there's a fourth horse in this running here.
1: I think we all watched him last year and said man if this kid ever grows because he couldn't have been more than about 98 pounds if he was 100 pounds last year soaking wet I'd be shocked. Like, I don't think
2: he dipped more than 97, to yeah. be honest.
1: And, and and we all watched him and said, if this kid just grows, he's going to be a monster. And we are seeing that monster kind of unleashed right now. There there was never, uh, I feel like there was never a second where he was really in trouble, where he wasn't in control. He was always the, the guy who had control uh, of both those big matchups with Blair and Strickland.
2: Oh, exactly. And when you see a kid like that just come out and have determination and fire and wanting to set a tone and, you know, send a clear cut message of, you know, who who was the king of the weight class. Uh, I think we saw uh, that was Sheldon Seymour's kind of a rival party. I mean, everybody knew of him and everybody knew, you know, about what he's done. You know, I mean, the wrestling community talks, but uh, to go out there and, and be dominant in a weight class where, You know, I mean, let's be real. You know, Blair and Strickland kind of had uh, the higher praises going into it. But, uh, you know, Seymour uh, came to the party and uh, he left as the king of the castle.
1: We're probably going to see Blair and Seymour in the semifinals again this week. I'd be shocked if, if that's not the semifinal matchup. Do you see a scenario where that outcome changes?
2: It's hard because, you know, personally, when you see that, you know, Sheldon Seymour's motor, I think, is at a different level right now. I agree. Where I think, I think Seymour is better conditioned to go a full three periods. And I, I, I don't know if Blair is wanting to go that pace right now. And I, I think that might be the edge where Seymour just being able to push the pace, I think, right now is is kind of his advantage. And that's not just over Blair. I mean, that's over everybody. Like Seymour's motor, I think, is just at a level above everybody else's in that weight class. And I think if uh, if Blair's going to be able to change that, he's going to have to find a way to somehow uh, keep Seymour grounded and somehow maybe uh, work work on his game from the top and maybe try to get some more tilt points or something because I don't think he's going to be able to outshoot Seymour uh, standing on their feet.
1: I feel like if they wanted to wrestle a fourth period, Sheldon Seymour would still have the gas to go a fourth period at that pace.
2: Oh, exactly. Yeah. And you you saw that all through the district tournament, you know, and his, his motor's been like that all season long. You know, he's he's had that determination that I think he's just, he's heard the whispers all season long, you know, from, from last year, you know, okay, you know, you're too small, you're too short, you know, bigger kids are going to get to you and this and that. And I think he finally got tired of uh, critics, and he just wanted to silence them. And he went out and put on a great performance.
1: Uh, Moving on a little bit, uh, I talked about A.J. Burkhardt at the start of the show uh, as as one of the guys I was considering as my outstanding wrestler. It felt like A.J. really needed that win over Jeremy Hanford. I mean, here's a guy who moved uh, into Athens from New York a couple years ago where he was a former state champ in New York. And it feels like he's constantly, Shane, been trying to prove himself against this District 4 field. How much do you think he needed that win to maybe just validate himself a little bit and what he's been doing?
2: You know, when when you're a senior, I don't really know how much validation you're looking for. I think for him, he was more just looking to improve his seating, kind of goal go for competition and that's exactly what he got for Hanford. Uh when he was, you know, trying to get down to twenty six, you know, at the at the end of the postseason duels and down for, you know, the sectional tournament. I, I don't really know, you know, if, if really like accolades or anything are really high on his uh to do list. But, you know, obviously, you know, a win over Hanford's really uh quality and it's it's great for for him, um, I don't really know if he's a kid, though, that really sits there and says, you know, okay, if 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 these people, you know, don't, you know, think that I'm that quality of a wrestler, you know, whatever, it's nothing that uh, is, is really big on his to-do list, but, you know, for him, I mean, it, it's a great win, and it definitely uh, helps improve his status going forward.
1: Do you think he needed it for his confidence at all, just, I mean, against that level competition? I think competition? it definitely
2: helps. I mean, to be able to win a District 4 title is huge. Especially when you've got uh, you know a kid like Jeremy Hanford right there, and you can able and you can uh, take him down because I mean Hanford's proven to be you know one of the class of District Four over the last couple of
1: years. And, and it wasn't just that win, you know, it, it wasn't just the finals win over Hanford. He had the the three one overtime win over Avery Bassett in the semifinals, who I actually picked Avery Bassett to be in the finals uh, myself, and talked to a lot of guys before the semifinals who. Uh, weren't necessarily disagreeing with me. So I, I, I think maybe in in his mind, maybe I, and I don't know AJ to suggest this, but it, it probably didn't hurt his confidence.
2: Oh, I would definitely think not. You know, I mean, when you win uh, the championship in district four, that's definitely a huge accolade to put on your mantle, you know, and after last year, you know, being a state qualifier, and bumping up, I mean, two, even three weight classes this year. I mean, Mm -hmm. last year it was at 113. This year he wrestled 32 for the most part. And now to get down to 26 again and win a district title there, I mean, that alone just boosts your confidence uh, all the way to the ceiling.
1: Shane, do you have a weight class that you're most looking forward to watching uh, again this week at the regional tournament?
2: I'll tell you what is really kind of giving me some intrigue As I look at the brackets, and I don't know how much you've studied them. I'm sure you've studied them probably more than I have. But I'm going to stay right there at 126. There's just something eye-popping in there, not only with the fact that you've got Burkhart and Hanford in there, but there's three quality district two kids as well, and that's really kind of popping my eyes. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, I can't remember if Bob Long was a state qualifier in the past or not. Uh, I know Brandon Judge is right there. I think he was a win-away last year for Valley View, or he, he may have even, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, I should have looked this up uh, before we started this, but Joe Hester I saw at uh, the South Williams Sport Tournament this year, that kid's legit, I mean, th- this, is, this is the first time I can really remember in a while District 3 bringing three legit kids in a weight class that you really have to pay attention to.
2: Exactly. No, I mean you've got Bob Long from Lake Lehman, Hester from Montrose, and obviously Brandon Judge as the two seed. But uh, I think what Long and Hester, I believe, are on the top side of the bracket. If memory serves, maybe not. No, Long's but, on the,
1: Long's on the top side. Hester and Judge are on the bottom.
2: Okay, so I mean, when you when you just look at that bracket, and then you add in a Hanford and a Burkhart, and you know, I mean, we're sitting here talking about Hanford and Burkhart from last week. I mean, Hanford's got Hester right out of the gate. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely, uh, you know, some, some scrapping that we could see right out of the quarterfinal round on Friday. And uh, who knows? I mean, that 126 bracket might get turned on its head before we even know it.
1: Like A.J. Burkhardt against Ian Yoder should be a quality matchup in the, uh, uh, the top half of the bracket. Bob Long is a returning state qualifier, and he gets a stud freshman in Avery Bassett from Midwest to start off. Joe Hester, I think, was a regional qualifier last year, but he's thirty-one and one, and and is a legit kid who who draws Hanford, and then Bryce Volman, who's had a nice year as a freshman, goes up against Brandon Judge, uh, in, in the first round. I mean, that's that's four legit quality, high caliber matches you're going to get Friday night.
2: You can't argue with quality, and that one twenty six bracket is going to be such a load of fun. And I'm just I'm curious to see, you know, does it. Does it stand pat or you know, will we see something that makes us go, oh boy, and now we've gotta go back through and totally configure our entire brackets again.
1: Who who are you picking as your top four?
2: For the twenty six bracket yeah. for the regional tournament coming up here. Well yeah. see now I have to go get my other bracket here because I had it just all marked out and then you went and changed the game on me again. But okay. I love I love to throw set.
1: surprises out there for you, Shane.
2: Okay, there's nothing wrong with it. Okay, I still have. Let's see, Burkhart, Hanford, Judge, and Hester.
1: I like that. That's a. I can't argue. I mean, just because. What's the point? <laughs> you know, because I feel like you could pull it out of a hat and it'll change, week to week.
2: So that'll be uh, that'll be my four, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how it all. Plays out over the weekend. That's for sure.
1: And everybody's going to have to buy a paper on Friday to uh, to get my picks, you know, because uh, I still need a job.
2: Well, that's very true. You know, it's always <laughs> good. To, uh, it's always good to uh, milk the readers for all of their uh, pennies and fifty cent pieces and everything just to uh, read the insights of Mitch Rupert.
1: <laughs> well, you can follow Shane on Twitter at Wiggle Shane, uh, and uh, you know, check out Wiggle One Hundred for all his broadcasts. Will you be broadcasting regionals this week?
2: Hey, man, you can uh, listen to the regional finals. We'll have the championship final coverage Saturday night. Uh, You can check that out streaming online at uh, wiggle100.com. And uh, like Mitch said, you know, follow me on Twitter at WiggleShane. Or, you know, if I get there earlier, I can uh, start posting some other updates. You can find me, uh, Shane, on Wiggle100 as well on Facebook. So plenty of opportunities to uh, follow along and uh, see some good bantering uh, amongst the day.
1: And, and feel free to wave to him up in the crow's nest where uh, nobody will go visit him.
2: I'm <laughs> telling you what, I think I think the Eagles have a better chance of winning another Super Bowl than you do of making it to the crow's nest.
1: That that That's your first correct prediction this this postseason. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, we I appreciate... Love
2: we're, I love that we're great banters, Mitchell. It, it is.
1: Shane, we appreciate you joining us here on the District 4 Wrestling Podcast once again. Uh, we'll see you out and about this weekend. Have a good one, man. Appreciate it.
2: I'm the honored three-time guest. Can't wait to see you this weekend.
1: Two of the best freshman wrestlers in District 4 will be taking the mat this weekend representing Sealands Grove at the Class AAA Northwest Regional Tournament. Seals head coach Seth Martin, who knows a thing or two about postseason success, has been kind enough to join us to talk about the team. Seth, first off, thanks for joining us. Uh, second, I'm going to date you here a little bit. Is it a little hard to believe it's been 15 years since you made your run to the state final?
3: Uh Yeah, it actually seems like another lifetime ago that that happened. Um, But every year we go back, um, it's like, it's just like a distant memory. It's fun to be there. Uh, and, And not just the state tournament, but districts and especially regionals. To me, I feel like regional, the regional tournament is the most exciting. I mean, states brings its own excitement, but Maybe it's because every year I feel like I have a couple guys teetering right on the edge of getting to states and not getting to states. Mm -hmm. That's why regionals is so – there's just a lot of anticipation going into this weekend, so I'm really excited.
1: If if you don't mind, take me back to 2002 a little bit and kind of what went through your mind during the course of your run to the state final.
3: Well, uh, that's a story I've actually told many times um, because I'll never forget it my entire career I had two people in my corner all the time it was my father and my grandfather and uh, they each brought their own mix of motivation my grandfather was a little bit rougher on me he would let me know when I uh, didn't perform up to to his standards and my dad was always so nice we could go to New York and go 0-2 at some random tournament over the summer and drive two hours in another direction and go 0-2 on Sunday and come home and he wouldn't say anything. It'd be no big deal. You know, he just wanted me to keep wrestling. But uh, my grandfather died about two weeks before districts. And the last thing I said to him was nobody was going to stop me. I'm going to win the whole thing, whether you're here in person or whether you're here watching somewhere else. Nobody's stopping me. I'm going to get it done just like we planned seven, eight years ago. And uh, and really, I don't, re- I don't even remember districts or regionals or states. Or- I just remember pacing around before the state finals match thinking holy cow here I am it's time to get it done and unfortunately I had a pretty um, a pretty big foe in front of me with Nathan Galloway he 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 was a little bit more than what I could handle at that time in my career and he put me away in the first period so that was a pretty devastating um, time in my life losing that finals match but uh, you know it, it was a it was a great experience getting there it was unfortunate the way it all worked out with my grandfather dying and not getting to be a part of it in person. But uh, it made the whole experience a lot more memorable for me.
1: Now as a coach, what do you try to impart on your kids from that experience that you had? What, what can you uh, teach them that, that you've learned from that experience?
3: Biggest thing I try to, you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff, we all have our time, and our time is coming in terms of how much time we have in our sport. Um, I, I had a hard time letting go of it. Uh, when I graduated college, I went to a lot of tournaments, open tournaments, wrestled, um, wrestled in tournaments that, um, you know, that college guys were wrestling. And I went to East Stroudsburg 10 years after I wrestled in it as a college student, (laughs) And my, my, I've had a lot of issues with my neck, so I'm, I'm pretty much done competing. And I said say to my guys every year, you need to, you need to take this experience by the horns and run with it because what are, whether you're a freshman or a senior or you're going to go off to college, your time is coming. And what I mean that is you only have so much time to compete as an athlete. And whether you have to give it up because you have no more eligibility or because your body can't do it anymore, uh, the time's going to come where you just can't do it anymore and you have to live it up you have to go go forward to these tournaments and just give it everything that you got and uh and especially with with a couple of my freshmen i mean they're, they're getting it um i told them on friday you get to do this four times you have four chances at the district tournament you know you might get sick next year or or, or the year after that or get hurt you got to live it up there's no guarantee that tomorrow is going to be there for you athletically. So let's wrestle every match like it's the last one that we got to.
1: It it feels like your guys must have taken that uh, to heart last week. You take second place in the team standings at the district four, nine tournament, 10 guys, I believe moved on to regionals assess for me, how you think the team performed last week?
3: Uh, I thought we did very well. I actually thought that we could take 11 kids and uh, and I'm not going to say which 11 I thought, but uh, we ended up taking 10. And one of my guys had a pretty rough day, wrestled a little bit different than what I was used to. Um, but, you know, that was just one. I'm not sure what was going on there, but everybody else wrestled well. I didn't even think about the team stuff. I mean, we as a as a program, we've never won a district title. It's just never happened. So it's not really something that I go into a tournament like that thinking as a possibility. And we actually went for lunch before the first round and we came back and I uh, walked up in the stands and somebody said, you know, you're in first. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you are. And then they showed me the flow, the flow uh, wrestling website. And we were ahead by nine. And I'm like, what? The? I was so relaxed. You know, and that, that's one thing about me. I, I normally am pretty relaxed. I don't get too worked up. But then I said, to, uh, Stu Zider my assistant coach. I'm like, my goodness, does that add a little bit more. <laughs> to this, to this whole last round. And, uh, at the end of the day, it was basically one match away. We lost a lot of close matches throughout the day. Um, you know, all over the tournament and all it would have taken is one more and we would have pulled it off. But, uh, you know, going home, being that close to it, I just figured we're not meant to win it this year. We're meant to win it some other time and our time's coming. It'll happen when it happens. You know, I'm more focused on the individual's, and each one of them achieving their goals, whether that goal is to be made at dis- districts, regionals, or states. Uh, at the end of the season, as long as all 14 of those guys can reach that goal, I consider it a, su- uh, consider it a success.
1: I'm curious how difficult it is to prepare uh, for the district in, in regional tournament. I mean, because of outside of um, Williamsport and Shikalimi district districts, you probably don't see those teams much. And outside of, someone like Central Mountain, who you wrestle during the regular season, mm-hmm. you don't see those teams at the regional. So how difficult is it to prepare uh, for the district and regional tournament?
3: Well, one thing we did years ago when we knew our, our district situation was going to get a little squirrely is we added a dual meet with Dubois, Uh which is really uh, – we didn't know it at the time, which was, but it's one of the toughest teams in <laughs> District 9, right? Uh, AAA. But uh, – we've wrestled them the last, I think three years and it gives us a little bit of an idea because then we look at the results of Boys with all the other schools. Um, we just kind of take that and, and guesstimate where our guys are going to be and, and how they'll do. Um, but like regionals, we wrestle a handful of those teams that we're going to see here on, on Friday and Saturday. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's anything can happen. I mean, You might, even if we go into that tournament, we wrestle all those teams, that doesn't matter. I mean, this past weekend, I had, I think, three of my guys win matches to guys that they lost to earlier in the Mm -hmm. season. And I had one of my guys lose a match to somebody that they had beaten earlier in the year. And that's the way the postseason is. And that's why it's so exciting because, and that's something else I've told my team. I mean, up until this point, it does not matter what you did in the regular season. That was like a, a warm-up to what matters most in the wrestling season. We go to districts. Don't think that because you beat somebody a month ago that that's going to happen again. Don't think that because you lost by two points to somebody a month ago that that's not that, that it, it can't go a different way the second time around. The postseason is exciting for a reason because it, it brings its own motivation kids get rejuvenated and uh you know it, it's always a different story when you go into these tournaments so i don't think it's that much of a factor not seeing a lot of the teams um because at the end of the day the top three guys on that particular weekend are going to move on and it's the guys that show up and get it done that get those top three spots
1: you talked about some of those guys uh some of your guys uh flipping results from earlier in the year one i noticed was a uh... Blaze Ziders, who who flipped that yep. the result with Isaac Kerner, and how do you go from uh, as a coach the high of, of getting that win, a one nothing win, in the semis, to now you got to prepare him to face Luke McGonigal? How how do you make that transition?
3: <laughs> well, the thing about Blaze is he's a pretty uh, down to earth kid, and he knew what he was up against. He he said right off the get go, man, I hope I can beat Isaac. I really don't want to wrestle in the wrestlebacks and and come back for third. Uh, he's like, I just want to get in the finals and then just let it fly and whatever happens, happens. So really, going into that tournament, having a bye to, to uh, get into the semis, he was focused mainly on Turner mm-hmm. and he knew what he was up against. I mean, Blaze is a great kid, but for, for him to knock off McGonagall would have been by far the upset of the, the tournament. So him beating Turner, someone that he lost to twice in the last month, that was, that was exactly what he wanted to do. And, uh, you know, he didn't go into the finals match thinking, well, I'm just going to lay down and he didn't lay down. Um, but he, you know, he got outgunned, I think he was down by 12 or 13 and ended up getting pinned. But like I said, uh, for him personally, that was a success to, to beat a kid that beat him twice in the last month. And, I, I got to be honest, as his coach, I, I'd rather those two not wrestle again actually, <laughs> because a, a whole lot of nothing happens in their matches. They kind of cancel each other out, and five zero, two zero, one zero, and it's like, oh my goodness!
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's when you keep matches close like that, every little thing, every little point, it could be, could be the result, you know. And
1: that's, that's how you end up losing your hair as a coach, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm bald. I don't have any <laughs> hair at all. Uh, the, the one thing I've noticed this year, you guys have gotten nearly 100 wins out of your freshman class this year. I mean, obviously, Nate, Sean, Coy Bash didn't have a, a big part of that. But did you realize coming into the season just how tough this freshman group could be for you?
3: Well, it's amazing how it came together because I have five freshmen all going to regionals, only two of which I thought were wrestling because Ryan Amit, played basketball last year and he wanted to try something different he just came to me and said hey and he's good buddies with coy bastion and nate Schoen. so he kind of just followed his buddies and he ended up doing great and then he was another one he got major decision by eric schneider from dubois i think it was three weeks ago and then he beat him in overtime like that's awesome that's that's what i'm talking about you know matches like that uh Carter Horton at 113 was not going to wrestle because he did not have a very successful junior high season and he didn't think he wanted to do it. But I needed a 120-pounder at the time. I didn't think I was going to have a 120-pounder. I talked him into doing it. He went down to 113, and uh, I, I said straight up, I'm, I'm a very straight shooter. I said, Carter, I'll be very happy if you wrestle varsity for me, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest, you might not win a match all year. And that's not up to me. That's up to you. I said you, you, you know, he had a handful of matches in junior high as an eighth grader, and he's not the ideal kid that you bring up to varsity. So I told him straight up, I, I, I'm not the kind of guy that blows smoke at somebody and tells them that, oh yeah, this can happen, all sorts of, you can, you're gonna do great. I just told him, you might get through the whole season and a match might not come your way. But he ended up winning. I think he has a handful of forfeits, I think two or three, but he has like five or six wins. And he did fine, you know. I think he's going into regionals with a nine and nine record, or eight and eight, or something like that. So he's another one I didn't really plan on. And then Scott Kissinger, who has been a great surprise for me at 120, he called me the day of hydration tests and said, "I don't think I want to wrestle anymore." And I got—I was not happy. It (laughs) It was not the best conversation that him and I have ever had. But at that point in the season, I. I was kind of just done with that conversation. We didn't talk for a little bit. Then he ended up changing his mind. I talked to him a little bit more, and I had some help with my, from my assistant coaches talking him back into it. And now he loved it. He said, he said it would have been a huge mistake for him not to wrestle this year, and it's a guarantee I'm going to have that boy on my roster the next three years. So it's amazing how it came together. I had a few holes in my lineup early on, Trying to fill them with guys coming up from junior high, not really sure how they were going to do because when you have an eighth grader who's not even 500 at uh, at uh, junior high level, bringing them up as a ninth grader is a tall order. You know, you're right. afraid that maybe they're just going to take a beating and then end up quitting. And I'm all about keeping the guys coming back out. I don't want them, you know, if they're not ready to come up, and I don't necessarily want them to because I want them to be there long term. Because anybody knows if they're paying attention it's hard to keep guys coming out for this sport yep but uh, they they've they've done their job as uh, as members of this team and I couldn't be couldn't be happier with all of them
1: now Nate Schoen and Coy Bastion, both those guys were listed uh, among the top incoming freshmen this year by PA power wrestling but were you at all hesitant with with maybe your expectations of them just because they are freshmen wrestling at 160 and 220, and and those are kind of upperclassmen weights.
3: Yeah. uh, I have had kids in the past, and I'm sure every team does, I'm just talking about my own, where we have somebody who wins a lot of matches at the junior high level, and then they come to high school and it doesn't really happen that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wasn't too worried about these two. Um, But that's something that I always am worried about uh, because the thing about junior high and varsity is the transition there. If you are a strong athletic kid, you're going to win a lot of matches in junior high, right? But when you get to varsity, you better know how to wrestle or it's not going to go your way, you know? Um, And sometimes kids, kids have one or two techniques that they're really good at. And it works all the time in junior high, because when they, when they try them, when they do something, it works, they're strong, they're aggressive with it, but then they come up to varsity, maybe the coach gets in there and like, hey, you, you might want to try doing it a little bit differently because I don't know if that's going to work at this level at the weight you're at. And they either decide to change what they're doing if it doesn't work or they don't. Um, but those guys have been wrestling. Sean and Bastian have been wrestling forever, um, you know, on big, big stages, PJW states and stuff like that. I think Sean has a couple of titles under his belt. I know Bastion has been there multiple times. They're used to that. Poi Bastion is insane. That kid, uh, we'll have a practice, we'll have a practice, and it'll be a doozy. I mean, just a lake of sweat all over the room. He's bouncing around at the end of it, like, asking for more, and he'll end up going to a club practice after that. And then after the club practice, he and his dad will go lift. I mean, that kid is nuts. You can't find, you can't find a kid willing to work any harder I mean you, there's not too many times that I've had guys in the room that uh, I can say that about that are just going above and beyond where I have to tell them you, you
1: might want to calm
3: down make sure you give your body some rest here and there you know but uh, he said early in the year I'm not taking one day off and I gotta be honest I don't know with the exception of maybe Christmas day I don't know that he has he's just going at it all the time so you know they're both reaping what they're what they've sown over the course of their lifetime in this sport, and it's just fun to be around to watch it.
1: But but as a coach, you've got to love that too. It's got to be a oh, lot easier goodness. to to dial a guy back than it is to to pump him up and get him to work more.
3: Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm not. I don't. When I say Coy Bashian's insane, I mean that in a great way. <laughs> in, in a great way. In a great way. Um, you know, if somebody's going to work that hard, the amount of damage that they're going to do by maybe overworking themselves every once in a while is nothing compared to somebody that wants to come up in the room and go through the motions and do nothing right you know i i would i'll take a i'll take a thousand Koi bastions any day oh my goodness a a team full of him you know uh just just a great great group of kids to work
2: with overall
1: nate started the season winning that that title out at pen pen manor uh and in the finals he got the pin of uh Hunter Katka of Sun Valley. Did that resonate yes. with, with you and and the rest of your staff, just in terms of talking about, okay, what he might be, uh, what his potential hey, might be for the season?
3: Yeah, I, uh, that was a, that tournament was an eye opener for a lot of people. I, I didn't know exactly mm-hmm. what Sean was going to be capable of. And I thought, I said to Stu, my assistant, I said, well, we're going to find out right now. Um, because he had three ranked kids at his weight i think they were number i don't know 17 12 and number 2 and they each got you know supposedly on paper better as he went and uh, he gets to the final he pinned he pinned all of them and we get to the finals and he and he pins that kid in 37 seconds and i i, I couldn't help it i was giggling like a little <laughs> like a little kid uh and i kind of felt like a jerk because i could only imagine maybe People watching me, like, look at him. Like, how, how cocky is he? I'm not. Be, I'm not being cocky. I'm just like, what? What just happened? You know, like my my freshman in his first varsity event just knocked off the number two ranked kid in the state. I I was happy and I couldn't help it. I was giggling about it. And he's ran, He's wrestled. I don't know. I think seven or eight ranked kids, and uh, I think he's pinned every one of them except uh, the Southern heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Southern Columbia's heavyweight. He. We bumped him up to wrestle him. And he beat him 7 0. I think that was his closest match all year. I don't, he's been taken down once and he's been reversed once, and that is it. Nobody else has even been able to do anything. So that's another reason this, this, these next two weeks are super intriguing to me in uh, finding out what exactly this boy is capable of. And, uh, you know, some people say, oh no, he's going to run into somebody and show him, show him what's up. I don't know. We'll see. I, uh, I, all I know is I wrestle with that guy at least once or twice a week, and all I'm saying is you better not blink. And if if you're counting him out, uh, you might end up eating your words. But you know, nothing would surprise me. We will see. We're, a lot of hungry guys going to be there in the next two weeks.
1: Where's his confidence level at? I mean, is it is it does does he keep himself in check?
3: Uh, like okay. I'm gonna give you an example, and this might sound cocky, I don't know, but I, I actually love it about him. We went to uh, a tournament at the the cool Cracker tournament mm-hmm. in Panther Valley, and he's very sociable. He walks in there with his little uh, bullet music player, whatever I don't know what these things are. And uh, I said, I gotta get away from you. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> this music playing because that's not that's not really how I roll. But he walked in there. That didn't bother him if everyone was looking at him like, who the heck is this guy? And uh, he went into the locker room and he was asking everybody who they were, what weight you wrestle, because, you know, he knows everybody, and that's Mm -hmm. how he knows everybody, because he talks to them. And uh, he ended up finding the top seed in his weight. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm top seed at 220. And he's like, oh, really? He's like, well, you're looking at the top seed at 220 right here, (laughs) talking about himself. (laughs) And and, – the guy looked at him, and I guess, kind of laughed, and he ended up pinning that kid in the in the finals. But the the crazy thing about it is 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 co- confident as he is, he he doesn't act cocky. Okay, he won districts as a freshman. There hasn't been as much as a as a fist pump from that kid. He just gets up, shakes the guy's hand, and is respectful. I mean, there's there's no indication thus far of him being a poor sport or anything like that. Now with loss, sometimes that brings that out in people. And we haven't seen that yet, but uh, so far his confidence level. I love it because you can do so much with a kid like that. It's, it's frustrating when you have guys that look at, you know, that are stat watchers. and Oh, well, okay, well, I probably won't beat this guy, but then I'll lose and I'll come down here. No, there's, there's none of that with shown. He, uh, he believes he can beat everybody, but he understands that he's human. And uh, I've heard him say before, "Well, everybody loses, so we'll see." But I don't, I don't plan on it, you know. And, and I, I, love that, I love that confidence, I love that attitude, because it's going to take him far. He, he doesn't even realize it, how far that's going to take him. You walk into a building and you think, "I'm the top dog in my weight class, and I'm going to prove it today." You, you just, you can't teach that. Right. And when a kid comes to you in ninth grade, not 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 so much in 11th or 12th, but in ninth grade. I mean, right off the get-go. Oh my goodness, he's he's going to accomplish a lot. You know, with the amount of talent he has and the attitude and confidence to go with it.
1: Coach, last thing before I let you go, I'm I'm curious how big this season has been for for you and the program to get the program where you want it to be. Uh,
3: it's been a long time coming. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like in the next few years we're going to be some powerhouse. I don't know if that'll ever happen. I mean, uh, it's tough to fill a lineup. The last couple of years, I think last year I had 15 and I had a full lineup. This year I had 17, and we had a full lineup, and that's that's like the first, the first uh, goal of the season, you know, to fill one because a lot of teams can't do that. We're fortunate enough to do that, but um, for a long time um we've been building our program and i have a lot of great people working for me and working with me and i'd be selfish to take any more of the credit that i deserve but when when i started coaching um 8 years ago is my 8th year we put together a coaching staff and we recruited really hard at all levels and it was a little rough at the beginning uh, but the elementary started winning and they started winning everything elementary tournaments, don't meet league tournaments, stuff like that. And uh, and then before you know it, the junior high started doing the same thing. And this year was my most successful season as a coach in eight years. We went 13 and seven. And, um, and you know, 13 and seven isn't like, wow, amazing. Like, look at that team. But for Sealens Grove, it is. At the end of the day, that's what I got to remember. I think uh, two two years two years before I started coaching, I think we were four and twelve and five and eleven or something like that. And to come from that, and I think we had like twelve kids on the junior high team, and I don't even know what was going on in the elementary. I didn't really pay attention, you know. But uh, to, to get to where we are. It means a lot to me, and I have a lot of people to thank for that, not just myself. I mean, I'm just one piece of the puzzle. And uh, it's just its fun to sit back and just see what the guys can do. And, yeah, it was a little bittersweet Saturday coming up three points short and almost pulling off our first district title in, in history. But like I said, it's meant to happen some other time, and I'm sure that it will. As long as these guys keep working and keep coming back, I have no doubt that, uh, that we'll get there.
1: Well, Coach, we wish you nothing but success over the course of the next two weeks, and uh, hopefully everybody stays healthy as well. And And thanks for joining us here on the, the District 4 Wrestling Podcast.
3: All right. Well, thank you for having me.
1: Nate Schoen enters this week's Northwest Regional Tournament, ranked fifth in the state in AAA at 220 pounds. There's just one returning state place winner ranked ahead of him, and it's Laurel Highland's returning state runner up, Ian Edenfield, who's the top-ranked 220-pounder in the state. But it's clear from what Seth Martin had to say about Nate Schoen that that doesn't particularly matter to him. He's got an opportunity ahead of him to become Sealand's Grove's first state champion since Spencer Myers in 2010 and just the fourth in school history joining Myers, Marshall Dauberman in 1960, and Dave Becker in 1974. My guess is that's the only goal in Nate Schoen's mind, and at this point, who's going to doubt him? I think that's going to do it for this installment of the District 4 Wrestling Podcast. Thank you to everybody who's found us on SoundCloud or iTunes and taken the time to listen. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button on iTunes and maybe even leave us a rating as well. Big thanks to Shane Wilber of Wiggle 100 for joining us to talk about the District 4 AA tournament. And big thanks as well to Sealands Grove head coach Seth Martin for stopping by, sharing some stories with us, and talking about his Seals team ahead of this week's Northwest Regional Tournament. As always, if you have any interviews that you'd like to hear on the podcast, don't hesitate to drop me a line at, mrupert at sungazette.com or on Twitter at Mitch underscore Rupert. I'm still not entirely sure what it is that we're going to do uh, for next week's podcast episode because I don't know that I'm going to have the time to do one. I-, I have been talking to some people about potentially trying to maybe do a live broadcast from the workout on wednesday night maybe doing it through facebook live um or or periscope or something like that but i still need to work out all the logistics to do something like that but but it is something that we're looking into and i'll let you know follow me on twitter i'll let you know as we go on but thanks again for listening to episode 11 of the district four wrestling podcast we'll talk to you again next week have a good one everybody
0: Say that. No.